From Bureaucracy's Basement to your ears, this is the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Each week, the dedicated staff of the Bureau meet to file reports, make recommendations, and survive on water that drips from the boiler pipes into the back room, into our open mouths as we sleep on a bed of dot matrix printer paper. Maybe one day we'll escape from this subterranean hell that is this basement, but until that day comes, this city is not going to improve itself. So, here we stay, improving things. This meeting is now in session. Hello! Oh, yes, hi, hi. Hi, hi there, hi there, hello. Hello. Oh, how yes. Are you, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm finding so many ways, so many means, so many methods of stating, rephrasing, paraphrasing the things I was meaning to say. Oh, is this your new hobby? Yes, undoubtedly. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Wow. Uh, well, I guess it beats stamp collecting. Nothing beats stamp collecting. Flatterly forever. Shall we uh, take attendance? Yes, we should take attendance. Okay, okay. Um, okay, this is really weird. This might be a bit of a crisis. Mm-hmm. There are no names on the attendance sheet. Like oh, my God. Nothing. Well, we're definitely not going to make quorum this week, then. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't even know if we're here. Clearly, we're not. If it's not mm-hmm. on the attendance sheet, it's not in the meeting. Right. And, you know, I we could say that, yeah, we're here because we see each other and can hear each mm-hmm. other. But eyewitness testimony is famously unreliable. That's true. And if we're not officially here, whether we see each other or not, we can't have a meeting. Uh, so do, do you want to hang out for a bit and improve stuff? Oh yeah. Oh, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's yeah, do yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. So, um, oh, what's, sorry. You, I, I need your name for hang out and improve. Oh, stuff. you can call me Paul. Okay. I'll call you Paul. I'm going to call me Aiden. Okay. Aiden's a good name. Uh, it's not bad. Yeah. It gets the job. And it matches, it. matches the name that's on your name tag. Oh, oh, wow. Now I feel foolish, but yeah. Lucky us. All right. Um, okay. What's what's on our agenda then? What's what's first up? Well, you know what? I don't know what's on the agenda because I've not really been paying very close attention to agendas this week. Okay. I don't know if you realize what time of the year it is. Um, uh, the year, is it the time when the ferrets come out of uh, hiding? Well, there's that. Okay. Yeah, but that, you know, that doesn't, as much joy as ferrets bring me, what brings me even more joy is the Eurovision Song Contest, which has, we've, we've just graduated from the semifinals and we're moving into the finals round here. Ooh, tell, I don't know about this. Tell me, tell me more about uh, the Eurovision Song Contest 2022. This year is interesting. Um, you know, I was going into it and I uh, didn't really know what to expect. And like right off the bat, I was looking at the first, the, the semifinal, the graduates from semifinal one group. And uh, very obviously the winner for me in this group and who should take the whole song contest is uh, Subwoofer with Give That Wolf a Banana. Give Give That Wolf a Banana. Yeah. 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 It's, it's very clear. It's like. It was the first song that I listened to as I was running through all the uh, all the finalists from this group, and uh, it was it's very clearly like the perfect Eurovision Song Contest song. It should be the winner. Um, the band Subwoofer they wear suits 
and uh, mm-hmm. these these stylized wolf masks that are yellow. And their DJ is in an mm-hmm. astronaut's costume, and he is also in yellow. And uh, the song is well. I, I was going to read the song to you because I didn't want to risk any like copyright infringement by playing the song here. And uh, but so I'll, I'll read it to you now. Okay, so this is Subwoofers. Give that wolf a banana. The Norwegian entry in the Eurovision Song Contest. Not sure I told you, but I really like your teeth. That hairy coat of yours with nothing underneath. Not sure you have a name, so I will call you Keith. Ooh, 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 ooh. See where you're going, but I don't know where you've been. Is that saliva or blood dripping off your chin? If you don't like the name Keith, I'm going to call you Jim. Ooh, 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 ooh. And before that wolf eats my grandma, give that wolf a banana. Give that wolf. And before that wolf eats my grandma, give that wolf a banana. Give that wolf. Give that wolf. Banana. Yum, yum, yum. <laughs> I like the scent of every meal on your breath. Oh, you're, that, you're going for the whole song here. Oh, heck yes. <laughs> okay. That hunger in you. I'm in danger now, I guess. Let's go to grandma's. You say grandma tastes the best. Ooh, ooh. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And before that wolf eats my grandma, give that wolf a banana. Yum, yum, yum. So, like, great poetry. Yeah, yeah. Danceable music, mm-hmm. wolf costumes. This is your Eurovision Song Contest winner. Unfortunately, uh, that's not what's, that's not, that's not how it's going to turn out. Um, I, pr- I'm, my prediction is that Norway will be robbed this year by Ukraine. <laughs> Ah, okay. Politics is rearing its ugly head, which has no place in the Eurovision Song Contest. Yeah. Well, you see, the thing is, is that the song uh, Stefania by Kolish Orchestra, the Ukrainian entry, um, the the song is about mothers and uh, it evokes like images of Ukraine. And uh, it's a mix of rap with traditional Ukrainian folk melodies and they're in traditional Ukrainian outfits. And the screens are always showing like traditional Ukrainian motifs. So it's very clearly an F you to Russia and Russia was, was excluded. They were like not allowed to enter this year because of their uh, invasion of Ukraine. So I think, I think the Russia invading Ukraine has effectively robbed Norway of their rightful win of the Eurovision Song Contest. Wow. So another crime that we can lay at uh, Russia's door. Exactly. It's a crime against music. Um, although I do have to admit the song Stefania by Kalos Orchestra from Ukraine is a fabulous song. It is, it is like a legitimately awesome tune. You, uh, like your description sound makes it sound great. So. It is. It's actually really, really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, and, and like these are the two standouts. Like the rest of the music is, it's not, uh, it doesn't even touch, doesn't even hold a candle to the Ukrainian and Norwegian entries. Oh. But uh, yeah. Uh, I should mention while you were uh, reading the lyrics, I, I looked it up as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I'm, I'm actually kind of impressed, A, that the, the way in which this sort of relationship between the singer or singers and the wolf uh, mirrors some of uh, the sort of, uh, D.H. Lawrence poetry and the, his attempt to grapple with nature. That's, oh, wow. Uh, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, but also, uh, it mentions that they were going to call the wolf Keith or yeah. Jim, you know, yeah. either. The songwriters uh, from Subwoofer are named Keith and Jim. I didn't know that. I didn't bother looking it up. See, I just, I, I, I was just looking at the lyrics at the very bottom. 
songwriters Jim slash Keith. Typically, I don't want to know too much of the background. Like you can spend hours watching like making of videos and reaction videos and interviews with the uh, performers. I just I like to watch their uh, their main performance on the main stage. That's that's all I want to see because I, I want the pure, the raw heroine of Eurovision Song Contest, which is that competition. So, yeah, fair enough. OK, we don't even know the real names, by the way, Jim and Keith. And DJ Astronaut. So there you go. Yeah. Fabulous. It's all available on the internet. It's not like the old days. If you were into Eurovision Song Contest back in the old days, you had to like uh, get like a DVD that your friends whose parents had uh, had a satellite would burn for you. Mm-hmm. And then you could watch it at home before that VHS tapes. So uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a much better world now that Europe can share their song contest with everybody. Huh. So. Anyway, so, yeah, I'm very... I'm glad I know. And uh, as soon as um, as, so- as soon as our meeting is over, I'm going to be listening to Subwoofer. Uh, I recommend it. Absolutely. And Kalush Orchestra. Oh, I'm going to. OK, so I might have to edit this out later. Uh, I went on this like musical journey with the Icelandic entry. So the song is Mehrkandi Shol. And uh, I was listening to it and I was like, and it's by a band called Sister. And um, I was like, wow, this song. You know, it's kind of folky. It kind of hits some of the things that I dig about just music in general. I thought, you know, there's a good song in here, but there's something wrong about it uh, in the way that it's being performed. And it's these three sisters, I think, because of the name of the band. And uh, they're very clearly not playing their guitars. They're holding guitars when they're performing. They're not playing them. One of them seems to be playing sort of like half-acidly, like seems to be able to play guitar a bit. Um so I, you know, I was like, okay, I wonder if like an, an acoustic version of this song would be better. So I went and I hunted down. They have like an acoustic version that was done for the song contest. And there's the three sisters there who are singing the song. But in the background, there's this other woman with a guitar who like the three sisters have their guitars that they're just holding and pretending to play. But they're very clearly not playing it. But this woman in the background is very clearly creating all of the guitar noises that you're hearing from this acoustic version. And she's like, <laughs> She's moving as though like music is flowing through her, as though her soul is moved by music, whereas the sisters are kind of stiff and wooden, like so many Eurovision Song Contest entrants are. So anyways, I had to find out who this person in the background was. And it turns out that it's this Icelandic uh, artist who wrote the song, wrote the the Icelandic entry. And her name is Lalo, and she is the real freaking deal. Um, Okay. Yeah. So highly recommend Lalo. Uh, she's got there's she's there's some like live performances she did with whoa I accidentally clicked on something uh, she did some like uh, live performances that were captured by KEXP radio and are up on the internet and I highly recommend looking her up and it's Lalo L A Y new word L O W so Lalo is her stage name and uh, yeah so she kills and so she wrote this song and gave it to sister to play for the Eurovision Song Contest and so um, yeah so it it kind of ruined some of the magic but created new magic for me. To learn uh, everything about the Icelandic entry. So, yeah. That is great. Eurovision Song Contest. It's the greatest time of the year. <laughs> Better than Christmas. Better than the hockey playoffs, that's for sure. Oh, there we go. Lalo. Love you, sir. Elizabeth Sigrun, our daughter. Yeah, that's her. Good for, good for, yeah, good for Lalo. Huh. Yep. That's awesome. I will. Uh, this is next on my list of, of musics to, uh, to enjoy. Top notch. All right. Well, we are on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community. Woo. Yeah. 
well, I guess, you know, technically the Queen City Improvement Bureau is supposed to be about studying, learning about the city of Regina and uh, figuring out ways to improve it. So maybe we could like uh, talk about something that's related to that because I attended an executive committee meeting today. Oh, do tell. Yeah. Excuse me. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So it was an incredibly long executive committee meeting. Uh, it was a short agenda, but um, you know, our council, they can find a way to drag anything out. Uh, the first item on the agenda uh, was a recommendation from administration on how to change up some of their bylaws to so that the bylaw department can better enforce and deal with derelict or vacant properties. Apparently they've had some like discussions with police department and the fire department and police and fire are not super happy with how well or how quickly the city has been moving to uh, deal with derelict houses. And so North central and heritage are two neighborhoods. They get name dropped a lot in this where Mm -hmm. there are a lot of houses that are like empty and uh, have fallen into disrepair and squatters are moving in. And this is a problem. And some of these houses, apparently there's been a rash of arsons in North Central. And uh, the police department is kind of like, you know, if these buildings were torn down or at least closed up, then there would be less chance of these things happening. The city is, uh, administration pointed out that one of the things that they have to do is that when they identify a property that is clearly derelict is, you know, they have to go to the landowner because it's their property and say, hey, would you do something about this problematic property? And they run into the situation where you have like landowners who don't even live in the city or who don't really care. Some who are well-meaning and want to like fix things up. So uh, they will like issue an order that says, well, this house is, you know, empty and the windows have been smashed. You have to close it up. You have to like seal up the windows and stuff. And the landlord can appeal. And Hmm. this creates this like really long cycle of the city issues an order, the landlord appeals, the whole process like can take weeks or months. So what the bylaw, the main bylaw change that was being proposed today by administration was to take away that appeal uh, possibility. So if the city identifies a, a house that's clearly unsecured, they can just, you know, make note of it and then hire a contractor to come in and like board up all the windows, seal up the doors. And this way you're not going to have that like risk of like squatters or an arson risk. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the main bylaw change they suggest. And they also pointed out, you know, this is going to cost us a little bit more money because we're going to be moving on these orders much more quickly than we were before. So they asked for $50,000 to uh, cover this extra work. And you would, there were a few questions just for like clarification. Counselor, um, Counselor LeBlanc asked for some like clarification around, you know, who do we consider squatters? Um, what do we do for squatters? Things like that, like useful information. And mm-hmm. then $50,000, council just started to go in circles around and around and around about whether or not this $50,000 was justified. Um, you know, it was pointed out by the mayor that, uh, the budget for bylaw enforcement has been going up uh, while the number of officers has stayed the same. And, you know, the complaints have been going down. So we've been putting more money into it and complaints have been going down. So clearly we don't need to be putting the money in. Okay. And yeah, so this is where they went. And this went on for two hours of questioning administration. All, you know, with the subtext being, what about this $50,000? Uh, finally, near the end, 
And I thought I would uh, play this little clip of uh, Councillor Andrew Stevens. There was like an effort to like um, to refer this motion back. Uh, you know, they wanted to have like more discussions with police and fire services. And finally, this is where we uh, end up with Councillor Stevens. And here is his comments on this whole discussion about the fifty thousand dollars. Just two two comments in response to the debate. Uh, one is the iron law of council, which is the smaller the financial ask, the longer and the more protracted debate. Um, and I refer to the $50,000 here. That seems to be coming up a lot. I appreciate the concern, but the Councillor Shaw and others point, what administration is proposing is, is a change. It's actually in detail outlined in the report, and it's quite substantial. I'm not sure why the city manager and others are being so agnostic about it, but the entire report is about a fundamental change in how we deliver a particular service. And I think efficiency is embedded within that, uh, within the report and what they're asking. Um, I, I believe that this did come from extensive discussion, and I appreciate the city manager's point about continuing the dialogue, and that's already also embedded in the report and that we're asking for a review and update and further conversation about the changes that we're going to propose, which are meaningful. So I think we're getting distracted by the $50,000, which is meant to advance a serious policy consideration, which we've identified as a problem in many areas, one being underutilized land study and here. So I think we're getting, the, we're getting distracted with the dollar amount, which is not substantial compared to the changes that we're proposing and they're actually costed and outlined in here. But I do appreciate asking for information going forward in terms of where we're at currently and how this new investment is going to make a change. But I see important changes in here that are urgent and we should not defer and kick down the road further, which we've done in the past. So that was Councillor Andrew Stevens at uh, the executive committee meeting on May 11th, talking about some proposed changes to how we handle derelict properties. Wait, did he say $50,000? He did. He did. $50,000. I know. Like, I, can you imagine if you had like a $1,000 bill and if you stacked 50 of those on top of each other, how tall that would be? Uh, yeah, I, that's that's all I can think about is the height of $50,000, $1,000 bill. And I think... I think we should probably maybe make a memo, send it to uh, the council, maybe for the next meeting, so they can talk about the height of $51,000 bills. Yes, I think they absolutely should. I think we need to like pay more attention to how much space the money is taking up in the city. Well, imagine, imagine if you took like, if you had it in nickels, like how tall would that be? Yeah. Like yeah, that would be really tall. That's it's ridiculous. Yeah. So I think I think council needs to like really grapple with the height of fifty thousand dollars in nickels. Well, here's there's like an important question here that needs to be asked. If you have fifty thousand dollar bills mm-hmm. stacked up on top of each other, or fifty thousand one dollar bills stacked up on top of each other, that's taking up a lot of space at City well, Hall. That could be used for offices. Uh-huh. That could be used for more conference rooms. Right. That could be used for more stack snack machines. And who's to say that they'll stack those bills flat? Maybe they'll like balance them on one end. And like suddenly there's you've got like just endless like verticality going on. Right. I mean, that's that's what we should be focusing. Yeah. Yeah. And that they're yeah. not. That they're not. And so if we were to pay this money, 
out to to like advance this agenda. Look, think of all the space we're saving at City Hall by taking yeah. by taking those fifty thousand dollars out of it. And you know where we should put them? Where? In in derelict houses where there's space. Right, right, right. But then you know the other thing too, though, about like a whole bunch of bills stacked up on top of each other. Mm-hmm. Fantastic insulation. True, true. And if we, we take do. if we take that out of City Hall. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a problem because we're trying to like you know become you know net zero on energy use. We need to have our city hall well insulated, so we can't let that money go. This is the kind of like you know the balancing act that city hall has to do. Do we send the money out to make space for snack machines, or do we keep it in the building so that we have better insulation? Exactly. Or do we do we stuff it in my parka, which right. really is not up to like you know the average prairie winter in this basement. So, right. Yeah. And I think I'm, I'm a little disappointed that uh, Councillor Stevens did not address these like really salient points. I mean, yeah, me too. But fortunately they have us here to grapple with the important accounting questions mm-hmm. exactly. that come up. 50. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. But I'm glad they spent those two hours on yeah. it because, yeah. um, you know, there's, after this like long pandemic, a lot of people like work is insecure. A lot of people are, you know, worried about their jobs. This guaranteed that all those people from administration who, you know, could have been at their desks doing something Aww. were sitting in Henry Baker Hall, you know, getting paid and they were occupied. So, you know, it's a good way to like keep people employed by keeping them sitting there for two hours, listening to council go in circles about money. True. Good point. Good point. Yep. And the follow-up report was from Buffalo Pound Water Treatment Center and the executive director from there, like the guy who runs Buffalo Pound Treatment Center was in Henry Baker Hall for those two and something hours waiting for his turn to speak about Buffalo Pound. He was, he was, he was presenting the annual report. So instead of, you know, being back at Buffalo Pound, straining our water, whatever he does, he was in Henry Baker Hall um, waiting for his turn to speak. Do you so, think do you think he uses like a fine mesh sieve or maybe like more is it more of a colander situation? I you know, I'm not sure because I was only by that point I was barely even half listening. <laughs> um I do remember him saying that uh the system they have is very robust and advanced. It's very scientifically advanced. So I'm hmm. assuming it's probably it's probably a combination mesh and colander that he's oh, using. I know. I bet you it's one of those uh, colanders that like fans out and like sort of f- folds in on itself, yeah. like sort of like a like an iris. I bet yeah. you it's one of those. Like, oh yeah, but a, yeah, but a yeah. really big one. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he seemed like the kind of guy who knew his filtration systems. Yeah, I mean that's why that's why we hire him. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah, I have complete faith in his abilities to, to filter our water. Hmm. Um, you know, but hey, unfortunately, he wasn't doing it. So I didn't, I didn't touch a drop of water during that executive committee meeting because he was there listening not, to the meeting and not, you know, manning the pumps at the wow. water treatment center. You know, you know what I think? I think, uh, I think there's a, I think there's a like a, a revenue opportunity. Oh, is there? This. Yeah. Oh, well, tell me. I think obviously when you're filtering water, um, I mean, is is that not the same thing as panning for gold? You know, I haven't thought about it, but that it does seem like kind of an identical activity. Yeah, you're you're getting like you know 
minerals and detritus from the yeah. water. And it stands to reason that some of those minerals and detritus would be, you know, maybe gold, maybe yeah. trading cards, maybe palladium, um, maybe like a, like a talking squirrel. Like think nice. about the money you could make, like either by selling the squirrel or by, you know, taking it on the road. And, uh, you know. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, I mean, I'm not talking about something that turns out to be a Teddy Ruxpin. I mean, an actual talking squirrel. Right. No, I assumed. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, how much money are you going to make taking a Teddy Ruxpin on the road? Talking <laughs> you'd, squirrel. You'd be amazed at the money you can make out of a Teddy Ruxpin. But I'll tell you, it doesn't last. No? A, you need something that's going to be in it for, like, like long-term revenues, like a talking squirrel. Yeah. Um, you, you, you might find some NFTs. Yes. That you might be able to skim some N- NFTs off or, or, the surface of our or water. Just some, yeah, or just some crypto that has sunk to the very, yeah. very deepest depths. <laughs> but there's so much of it that it forms like a super sort of like crypto sediment that is actually worth maybe a few cents. A dollar. I, I don't know. I found some Ethereum and some human poop <laughs> at the bottom of Buffalo Pound Lake. I have five kilograms of, of Ethereum that I have strained from human poop. Would anybody care to give me $50,000 for it? No. How about $1? No. Uh, anyway. Well, so you're suggesting this is an innovative revenue tool. Oh, yeah. No, it's pretty innovative. I mean, yeah. who, I mean, it's, it's traditional because, you know, I'm calling back to the traditions of, you know, panning for gold. Yeah. Uh, but it's also, uh, it's, there's, there's new technology involved. Like that yeah. mesh, that strainer that, that we were talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that iris strainer, that's, mm-hmm. that's nothing to sneeze at. No. I mean, yeah. I, I, you, you could sneeze at it, but it would strain it all out. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You'd catch your sneeze. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's great. So we have an innovative revenue tool. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, on that note, I think we should move on to the recorded innovative revenue tools right about now. It's... The Queen City Improvement Bureau would like to acknowledge the Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District for their support of our show. The Regina Warehouse Business Improvement District. Improving the district where there are warehouses in Regina. And we're back from Innovative Revenue Tools. Oh, wow, do those go by that quickly? They really do. Yep. Well, but I confess... I wasn't actually listening very carefully because I was thinking about the warehouse district. Why? Whatever for? Well, I mean, the warehouse district is like, it's a pretty awesome part of town. Uh, the architecture is like, you know, it's very sort of aesthetically pleasing of a, of a, of a particular period. There's all kinds of restaurants, bars, gyms, uh, there's, you know, groceries. And, and you know, it's, it's just a wonderful place to go uh, to, to explore and do a lot of a lot of unnecessary things for a living. Um, and, but I can tell you, it's not because we're being sponsored by the Warehouse Business Improvement District. I would be, I would be banging the drum for the, for the Warehouse District, even if the Improvement District were not sponsoring the Queen City Improvement Bureau, which they are. It's so I should nice thank them. them. We should th- yeah, we should thank them for, yep. for, for being our sponsors. Thank you, Warehouse District. Thank you. What else is new? Oh, uh, saw I went and saw Doctor Strange. Fine film. It, if you if you like if you like uh, no no it was not a fine film but mm-hmm. it was okay I was I was entertained and I think actually there's 
there's a lot to be said about the future of urban planning. Oh, really? What? Well, uh, for example, uh, the Doctor Strange and and his uh, and his sidekick America Chavez travel to different universes with different uh, urban uh, settings. And well, uh, traffic lights are different in one. So, Uh-oh. do they reverse uh, the colors or? Well, that will be a spoiler to tell you that. But yeah, oh, yeah, sorry. That, that's what they do. I'm spoiling. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty wacky when you when you get walk out into the street thinking you're free and clear, um, yeah. but anyway, but there but there's pizza in almost every universe of different kinds. So I'm not a big fan of multiverse stories, frankly. Well, you you will be a fan of this one because um, p- uh, pizza. Okay. Pizza, no matter where. Yeah. But also, apparently, according to and now this is obviously canonical. In most of the universes, in in the Marvel in the Marvel cosmology, uh, food is free. Really, except ours. Yeah, well, not just except there are others, but uh, we're we're an outlier. Right. And with that, we have to pay for food. Uh, so capitalism has passed over what is necessary for for most universes, except but not ours. I think that's why multiverse stories bother me because you know there's that whole like grass is always greener on the other side. If it mm-hmm. is possible that there's like an infinite multiverse of universes, it's just going to make me feel like the one that we're in must necessarily be kind of shabby by comparison. Yeah, because there's always one that's better and then one that's better than that and so on. Yeah. There is in fact a perfect a perfect my version of uh, of our universe out there if if you believe in the multiverse yeah i do wonder like uh the queen city like what would it's what would its mirror universe version be oh well if we're talking the mirror universe yeah hmm. well goatees for everyone i, I right. mean that's that's so obvious I feel foolish yeah. even even mentioning it uh i bet i bet we live in the mirror universe everybody has only one job okay and that's playing pickleball. Oh my god! Forty hours a week. Just get up in the morning, get your get your uh, tennis whites on, because in that universe you play pickleball and tennis whites. Yeah. And then you go to the court, um, which is the entire city, and you play pickleball. You play pickleball on your way to the pickleball court. You play pickleball on the way home from your pickleball court. Your home is a pickleball court. It is. Uh, it's it's all pickleball all the time. Like that's you know, a strong possibility of something that could happen here as well. So I know we just, we just have to like make it Paul. We yeah. just have to provide incentives and uh, get, get the pickleball rolling. I think I'm actually going to do pickleball this summer. I think I have to get out and I have to give this pickleball a try. I think I, I agree. We There's news from Kingston, Ontario. Cool. That is actually kind of interesting from a planning, from an urban planning perspective. Uh, so you, we talked here about a while ago about how uh, Councillor Stevens passed a motion a year or two ago asking for a report on lifting parking minimums, just getting rid of them or mm-hmm. easing parking minimums because we have these rules. Every city does. Most of them do. They say if you're building like a box store, you have to have like X number of parking stalls per square meter of uh, retail space. And if you have an apartment in Regina, you have to have at least one parking space per housing unit in your apartment building um and houses like everything all all buildings have like a parking allotment they have to live up to kingston ontario like in april abolished 
all of their parking minimums. And Kingston's only a city of 130,000. So it's like, it's kind of in the range. It's not like a big city. It's in the range of Regina. So yeah, they've gotten rid of all their parking minimums for all non-residential land uses. So if anybody builds a, a um, box store, they don't have to put in these gigantic lagoons of parking anymore. They just have to put in what they think they're going to be using at any period of time. But they could conceivably build more. And that's what we have here. That's the problem in Regina is we have parking oversupply where a box store goes in or apartment building goes Mm -hmm. in and they always build more parking than they're required to under the bylaw. And they always get like pats on the back from council for doing this. I was like, oh, good job. Good job, chaps. (laughs) Um, So Kingston has actually imposed a parking maximum on a lot of developments. Um, accessible parking spaces, there's still like a minimum number of those that'll be required, but they've imposed parking maximums so that you can't build these massive parking lagoons. Uh, but they've imposed other kinds of minimums. There are now like bike parking minimums in Kingston. Hmm. There are, uh, there's park mini- parking minimums for car share vehicles. So the, like a new apartment building is going to have to have car share vehicle spots that can't be used by like visitors or residents for their, um, for their vehicles. Uh, the minimum parking requirements for bikes also include for places that are like terminal destinations in a day. It's so like the university there that you're going to have to provide weatherproof, secure parking for bikes in these places. So they're going much farther than any than than anywhere else is even contemplated and uh <clears throat> excuse me this plan was uh, worked on uh, they partnered with brent Tadaren, who's uh, from Tadaren works a uh mm-hmm. you know an internet famous urban planning uh firm uh brent Tadaren, uh he used to be the city planner for the city of vancouver um so yeah this is pretty exciting that kingston has like done this uh apparently they were very explicit about this being um you know, if you're going to be serious about dealing with the climate crisis, you have to start making some serious uh, policy that will deal with it. And parking minimums are one of those things that prevents uh, good buildings from happening because they have to spend land mm-hmm. for cars and not for people. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty excited by this. Uh, he did talk about in an article, Brent Tadaren talked about how um you know this this wasn't this wasn't an easy consultation process to go through and uh one of the things they did is they like opened it up and they made sure that uh this wasn't just like a consultation where a few like you know true believers were brought into a church basement to like hash out the policy uh they made sure that this was something that was being discussed on talk radio being discussed in the local news that it was something that everybody was thinking about and they were like able to recognize the upsides and the downsides to this move um, for the city of Kingston. So, hmm. yeah. So well, I'm hoping, cool. yeah, I'm hoping that when this, because the report on uh, the report on parking minimums that uh, Councillor Stevens asked for, it is coming back. I'm hoping sometime this month, it could be in June before we actually see that report. And it will um, uh, hopefully the example of Kingston will uh, inst- will light a fire under the butt of administration, who I suspect is not so keen on the notion of lifting parking minimums uh, in any substantial way. Well, what what you have to realize is that with the uh, if everybody uh, buys an electric vehicle, all the problems yeah. associated with cars magically go away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, so you can build um, so you could build suburbs uh, 100 kilometers away, say, 
a solid hour's drive. Uh, and with nothing but like giant parking lagoons everywhere. But if everybody's got an electric vehicle, uh, we're, we're, we're in the clear. Because those are like, would they be like net neutral parking lots? Uh, yeah, yeah, there would be uh, there there would be absolutely no downside to uh, to these giant, right. ugly parking lagoons that turn sort of you know re- like you know retail parts of the city into like god awful dystopian nightmare villas. Alternately, future pickleball courts. Future. Oh wow! Imagine imagine playing pickleball out of your electric vehicle as you drive by, yeah. and you hit the pickleball. Back and forth. There's an alternate universe where that is happening right now. Exactly. Everybody wears goatees. They drive their electric vehicles around giant parking lagoons, playing pickleball with each other. And they sing the pickleball song. Do I dare ask? Do you have a pickleball song? I I, I, No. Okay. No, I do not not have the pickleball song. Frankly, we need one. And it needs to be an anthem. It needs to be a pickleball anthem. Oh, I think you're right. Oh, man. Yeah, like a, a rousing, like... Like something that like arcade fire. Yes. Yeah, exactly. No ditty for pickleball. We need an anthem. Exactly. And maybe we could get that guy who played saxophone in that Tina Turner video. Yeah. I can never remember his name, but I mean, just, just have him play saxophone and, you know, sing, sing a rousing chorus. Yeah. He'd be the right age for pickleball now too. He would. I bet, I bet that dude plays pickleball. I bet. Yeah. If you want to stay that that buff, you've got to keep <laughs> you got to keep active in your your older years. That's right. And you and you need you need a source of income for all that oil that you yeah. that you rub onto your body as you yeah. as you play pickleball. Yeah. Do you think he still tours with Tina Turner? I don't know. Is uh but anyway, his name is Tim Capello. Uh-huh. Uh born in 1955. He's actually a, a, a multi-instrumentalist composer and vocalist. In 2021, Tim was featured in the Netflix series Worn Stories, uh, in which he tells about his relationship to his codpiece. And I'm, I'm literally reading something that was written down. First given to him by Tina Turner as a symbol of strength in the face of the ups and downs of the uh, music business. Wow. Nobody yeah. has ever given me a cod piece. <laughs> As a symbol of strength in the face of the ups and downs in the music business. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, it's weird because that's the kind of sentence that I would usually make up for this very program. Yes, it is. <laughs> but I just, I clicked, I clicked the Wikipedia link and there it was. Thank you. Thank you, Wikipedia, for doing my job for me so well. Uh, Anyways, from cod pieces. To the transit master plan? Can we yeah, do that that's, jump? That's a smooth segue right there. Is it? Yeah, okay. no. But all right, let's 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 do it anyway. Okay, well we'll do that on 91.3 FM, CJTR, tuned in to the community. Uh yeah, so since our last meeting, we we once again went on vacation without telling anybody and took a week off. And during that week there was a council meeting. And at that council meeting, they really only did one thing, and that was they passed the transit master plan. It is now the master plan of the land. Wow. For transit. Yeah. Uh, this wasn't to, like totally surprising because they did uh, pass it at executive committee meetings. So it didn't lose any votes. It didn't gain a vote either. Councillor Shaw still voted against. Um, it, uh, yeah, it actually kind of, it kind of clear sailed 
through council. It took like the whole, most of the meeting was listening to delegations of people coming forward to say, hey, transit's awesome. Make transit more awesome. Uh, we're with you on this, but we want to see you do more. Right. So that was nice. Yeah. Although my, my, my worry though is that if mm-hmm. we make transit more appealing and accessible to people, uh, then our, our car culture, which as you know, we are a car culture for sure, yeah. uh, will, uh, will just be discarded and, uh, we won't, we will, we won't like keep the roads up or, or anything you know, like everything yeah. will go straight to hell. The, the world has lost so many cultures over time. So many, so many traditions. Uh, that, you know, people have had that they've lost as like modernity has taken over Mm -hmm. and that, you know, it is sad to think that if this transit master plan uh, actually gets implemented, because that's always an open question. Right. Um, So maybe there's nothing to worry about, but if it does, yeah. Like the, the, the culture of happy motoring might be in danger in Regina. Well, yeah. I mean, just as, I mean, just as the, the car. Yeah you know, edged out, you know, you know, horse and carriage. Yeah. So, so too will slightly improved uh, public transit uh, completely destroy uh, cars. Um, yeah. But I think what's going to happen is that we're all going to get electric vehicles mm-hmm. and then uh, public transit will be irrelevant and we'll just burn all the buses um, in a field somewhere, or maybe in Victoria park, wow. or maybe we'll throw, we'll throw the buses into the lake. That's dark. Well, That's I mean, well, then we'd find them at, like when, you know, when the super drought comes, right? we'd get all our buses back and they'd be washed for us. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can. So there's an upside. Yeah. I'm not that fatalistic. I do think that, you know, uh, the, you know, the bus thing might actually happen, um, but they will be sad because then Saskatchewanians won't, you know, say their traditional greeting to each other anymore. So, mm-hmm. uh, did you find parking? Yeah, right. We have rock star parking. Some will say. <laughs> rock star parking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things like that. The little mm-hmm. things of car culture that we're going to miss. So, I, you know, maybe what we'll do is like, instead of having like actual cars, we'll have like car simulacra, like little car <laughs> shrines in our homes. Oh, yeah. So that we can, you know, we can keep, we can keep the traditions alive without, you know, all of the fossil fuels that are connected to it. Right. They'll be like, on like places where there's like these steering wheels and headlights, but yeah. people will not even remember what they're there for anymore. And anthropologists yeah. will say these were clearly like you know, places of worship for yeah. for the for the for the inhabitants of of this yeah. long dead city. Yeah, yeah, it was a weird sex cult. <laughs> that's that's exactly it. Anyways, transit master plan passed. Councillor Shaw did vote against once again the numbers do not add up to her. She doesn't see how um, transit makes sense in the city of Regina that we don't, and I'm not hundred percent clear on what her rationale is. It seems to be both that we don't have the population growth as a city to support a transit improvement, but that also she was talking about how Improving transit won't drive population growth, so we should be doing something else. Um, improving transit won't like increase the number of ice cream flavors available at the Safeway, so we should be doing something else. Yeah, that okay. actually is a really strong argument. I, I know. I was. I didn't want to bring it up because I thought if if 
if that gets out there, we're never going to get better transit. Yeah, well, you know so, how I feel about ice cream. Well, uh, how, how I want variety. Feels. Exactly. We need variety. And I hate to say it, with this master transit plan passed, it's yeah. not going to happen now. No, no. Uh, one of the items that, uh, well, we had uh, some some youth activists in the Bureau talking to us about their desire for uh, fare-free transit for youth. Mm-hmm. They want it for everybody from like zero to 18 to be free to ride the bus. That is not a recommendation in the transit master plan. Uh, it is zero to 12 would be free on the bus. Mm-hmm. Um, so those same youth activists have turned out at executive and at uh, council to argue for uh, transit, fare free transit for under 18, for 18 and unders. Um, and uh, two trustees from the school board came out to argue the same thing, saying it would be hmm. a transformative thing for a lot of like low income families if their kids could ride the bus for free. Because if you have two kids who are um, over basically five, uh, you have to get them a bus pass if they're going to use it. And if you have a, two high school aged kids, that's like $600 a year, each kid. And for some families Ooh. like 12, an extra $1,200 is not something they can afford. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, the stumbling block though, is that uh, it'll cost $2 million in foregone uh, revenues for the transit system. If uh, under 18s get uh, free transit. Yep. That, that's uh, a chunk knew, of change. Yeah. I knew, I knew it'd be something. So yeah. that is a shame. Cause I, I've, it's, it would be nice if they could figure a way to make that happen, though, because yeah. yeah. that would be that would be delightful. Andrew Stevens, once again, Ward Three Councillor, uh, he made the point that you know everybody likes to talk about how there's like one taxpayer, idiotic phrase, but everybody talks about it. Um, the money to pay for transit is coming from these these notional taxpayers, uh, and the money to like that would like fund that two million dollars to cover fare free transit would be coming from the same people. Right. Like it would just be spread out more diversely across the city. Mm-hmm. And that ultimately, if you do stuff like this, the city's going to end up saving money. Like it's just, it's just going to make people's lives better. People are going to be saving money, whether it's coming out of their tax bill or coming out, um, coming out in, you know, payments to uh, the, the transit authority. So I don't know. Like, it just seems like, it seems like something we should fund. But. Well, pe- people don't want better lives. They they want to be able to, to say, I'm not going to pay for like some poor person to ride the bus. Yeah. That's what they want. They, they yeah. want to be able to deny the, that, like that small advantage to, to disadvantaged people. Yeah. You know, what's crazy though? I don't know this for a fact, but just based off what she said, I think if there is a motion brought forward and there is a report coming on fair free transit uh, towards the end of May uh, that will have some recommendations uh, because the, the master plan is just a master plan. There's no actual policy passed in it. You mm-hmm. then have to pass actual like uh, bylaw changes and yada, right. yada, yada. So, so there our is ice cream is still coming. possibly safe. Oh, right, yeah, 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 yeah. And there's no new buses, like no bus improvements are coming yet. Um yeah, no, Shaw kind of was signaling that if a recommendation comes forward to give fair free transit up to kids, uh, students up to 18 years of age, that she'll vote for it. Interesting. Yeah. So she was she was talking about how, you know, it's expensive, but she sees it as an investment in the youth. And I was like, bravo, Councillor Shaw. That's wow. Yeah. Good, good for, good for, good for Councillor. Yeah. Um, although I, I do question... You know, when when Councillor Shaw sort of has objections to like the like improvements in transit, 
Like in, in what way exactly is she the disability advocate that she claims to be? I, I would actually, it's kind of a serious question. Cause I, I mean, when, when I hear that said, I'm like, but everything that would benefit disabled people, you don't seem to like agree with. So yeah. where, where, what, what, what form does your advocacy take? That's, that's what I want. Yeah. Well, she did bring forward, uh, her and Bershani brought forward a motion to, um, and that report actually went to the executive committee meeting, but by the point it was being discussed, I was long gone uh, today about the uh, accessible recreation. So making recreation facilities more accessible to the okay. people, people who have disabilities, which is great. And like everybody on council is going to vote for it, but Councillor Shaw, for some reason, cannot see, um, you know, the, the value to the, the, to the community of people with disabilities of having a strong transit system, even though, um, I don't know if I've spoken about this guy. D- Dylan Morin is a frequent uh, attendee at city council meetings. Uh, he is a person with a, a disability of his own, and uh, he is a strong advocate for transit. He's a paratransit user and a regular transit user. And one of the things that he's trying to like get the point across is that not every person with a disability uses paratransit. Some of them use a regular transit system because they can't drive for whatever reason, or they just don't want to drive. Right. Um, So there's a lot of, there's a lot of people in the disabled community who rely on regular transit. And so leaving it underfunded and under-resourced is just, it's, it's not helping them any. Mm -hmm. Like uh, we have, you and I both have a friend who has uh, suffers from epilepsy Mm -hmm. um, and can't drive and relies on public transit quite often. Yeah, and Carlet showed up to speak in favor of the transit master plan and argued. Oh, hey, the very person. Yeah. yeah, yeah, she's great. Yeah, no, it's uh, it seems to me like an improved public, like no matter what people say about Regina's like love of cars, lots of cities love cars. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's why that's why so many cities are overrun with traffic. Yeah. Um, but uh, a solid mix of of incentives for taking the bus. And some policy that just makes it more advantageous in other ways yeah. to take the bus. Like, it seems like a no-brainer. Yeah. Whatever. A uh, terrible thing happened. Uh, Councillor Stadenchuk talked about how she took the bus to that council meeting. And then she said it was great. It was only, she was like surprised at how quick it was. And it was a really pleasant time. Uh, the mighty Florence Stratton showed up and talked about how much she loves taking the bus that she really enjoys mm-hmm. Regina Transit. So these are people who are advocating for like, you know, an expansion of Regina Transit because of how great it is. And Councillor Shaw actually said, well, you know, we're hearing from these delegations today who talk about how fast convenient and great public transit is so clearly we don't need to invest more money into it we need more education on the advantages of transit so education the last refuge of every conservative scoundrel mm-hmm. <laughs> yes so we need we need to get the kids hip to, to uh, transit it's like wow no also transit is necessary so yeah transit is cool <laughs> that's that's my proposal for a new ad campaign. That's right, for Councillor Shaw. That's all we need. We just need to like make council make a Regina Transit cool. Yeah, like put like sunglasses on the bus, like where the headlights yeah. are. Get big sunglasses. Yeah, yeah. I, I, damn it, I'm trying to like get a like because we want it to be rad, Regina, uh, awesome. Uh, and I can't come up with the D, but that's what we need to get like a really good acronym for Regina Transit that makes it sound cool. Wow. 
Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, we'll, we'll think. About, I'll. I'll. Yeah. I'll put my mind to it. Right on. Okay. Well, with that, like action item, we're at the end of our meeting. Oh. Okay. Well, you know, we have a couple of great. We have the. We have to come up with a good pickleball anthem. Yeah. And we have to uh, create some uh, super cool acronyms for Regina Transit. Yeah. So the kids will all be lining up to uh, to to ride that bus. This has been a very productive Queen City Improvement Bureau. I agree. I, I completely agree. Yeah. Uh, which is why, obviously, we should stop yes. right now before things go downhill. Oh, yeah. No, the uh, the ideas are not going to get any better than this. No way. In fact, they just we just undo the good ideas that we've that we yeah. had. Probably. Start to overthink it. Groupthink will kick in. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll start we'll start improving the city by committee and nobody wants yeah. that. Yeah, I, I guess I move to adjourn then. I will second that motion. All right. Motion is passed. Meeting adjourned. You have been listening to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio, tuned into the community. We are broadcast 7 to 8 on Thursday evenings and rebroadcast Monday afternoons, 3 to 4 p.m. Uh, you can find us on cjtr.ca slash podcasts as well. Also on our Twitter, uh, Queen City IB. And our website, queencityib.com, with special bonus materials. Go check that out. Um, yeah. Uh, coming up next, we've got, oh, right, your hosts have been Paul Shen and Aiden Morgan, music by Ryan Hill, a.k.a. Guy Hill. Uh, coming up next, we have, I believe, the Nerdcore Cabaret, followed by other shows and then music all on into the night. That's it. Keep on improving. Enjoy.